worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Got a serious case of the morbs? Let macabre satisfy your earworms. We're your hosts. I'm Blair. And I'm Holly. Together, we'll dig into the macabre on this dark history podcast. From arsenic to zombies, we uncover the grim and gore of the past with morbid curiosity. Through a not-so-serious approach to storytelling. But be warned, macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to Macabre. My name is Holly. And I'm Blair. <laughs> this is our <laughs> first episode. Please forgive us. We are not professional podcasters. Yes, please be gentle with us. This is our first time. <laughs> we just need all the gentle, loving care. So today, we are actually talking about deadly household items in Victorian era. England, everywhere. Because it was the same everywhere. You've been keeping this a secret from me, which I have to say, like, is really tough for me. <laughs> but I'm really excited. Like, we've been sharing documents, but I haven't looked. I haven't peeked, which is a big thing for me. So I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. And this, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is freaking crazy. I, a lot of people like to say that they want to live in the Victorian era. <laughs> that was I am me. one of those people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I get it. But then I started looking into this. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> everything could have killed you. Literally everything. Literally. So we have some very interesting topics that I will just kind of run through a tiny bit to spark the interest. We're going to be talking about murder bottles. Deadly wallpaper, killer fashion, a ghastly grocery list, and horrifying housing. And no, I am not talking about college housing. <laughs> I'm talking about normal houses in the Victorian era. <laughs> so let's start with murder bottles. Murder bottles sound kind of murdery a little bit. These were actually bottles designed for mothers with babies to give them better access to feeding. There was a little nozzle on it uh, that kind of looked like a crazy straw. It was very weird looking, but it was easier for mothers to feed their children, especially since, you know, very busy all the time. They needed something easier with their kids. And who's shocked? In the Victorian era, Things weren't necessarily cleaned all the time, and hygiene wasn't necessarily the number one in that society standard. So these bottles were only cleaned on average once every two or three weeks. Oh my God. Oh yeah. We've always we've all had that water bottle where we're like, <laughs> did that get washed? And then you look in there, you're like, oh okay, we're good. <laughs> that needs to get soaked. Yeah. Well, with the crazy straw little nozzle thing they had on these these jars basically is what it was, just a big crazy straw in a jar. It got pretty nasty, and there was no way that they could really clean it out very well. So, as you can imagine, bacteria really just thrived in these things, and 
it ended up being a really large contributor to uh, the very high infant mortality rate at that time. And it was actually a doctor that started calling them murder bottles because it was so common. And the statistic on this was not just from murder bottles, but a lot of different things that could happen with kids back in that time. The statistic on that is only two out of 10 babies actually made it to two years old back then. Oh my God. Was it because of this specific thing or just like generally across the board? Just in general. There were a lot of other components that I was finding that in children's toys and we're going to be talking about deadly wallpaper and stuff, but arsenic was actually found in some of the paint in children's toys, too. So, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And you know how little kids like to put stuff in their mouths all the time? Yeah, that was my first thought immediately yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, exactly. And that it was just just a common common notion of, hey, you know, it was still in that era where you had a ton of kids to be like, okay, it's the ultimate game of Survivor. Which one of you is going to make it out of this? Which is unfortunate, but you think about it now and it's like, okay, what we what we deem safe now, but what is actually <laughs> safe for kids and in general? <laughs> that even like happens as far as the 80s. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Which exactly. When I grew up, <laughs> things are very different now. So very, holy crap, very. But speaking of licking things that you're not supposed to. I don't think anybody's <laughs> really going around licking wallpaper, but a big, big factor in the deadliness of arsenic back in the Victorian era was wallpaper. Now, I don't know, some of them might have been licking it, but this was, <laughs> <laughs> this was an era where the vivid colors were really in fashion at that time. You know, we're coming out of the 1800s into the 1900s. It's at that that end mark of let's change things. Let's not wear such drab clothing colors. So vivid colors were all the rage. Well, they were really into that minty, bright green color that we kind of associate with the Victorian era. We have a Swedish chemist to blame. I think I've heard of this actually. So yes. I'm excited that you brought this in. It's yes. something specific to that particular shade of green, right? Yes. Okay. It's do called, tell. It's called Shields Green. And Carl Scheele invented this kind of as an accident. But in order to get that bright color, he had to combine copper and arsenic to get that fine sheen, that really bright green, that minty, almost Andy's mint green, which if you're going to eat an Andy's mint now, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but after reading up about just how it happened and how far it got, way to go, Carl. You're a very outstanding gentleman. <laughs> so <laughs> he created this color manufacturers fell in love with it not just in england but around europe but when it got to britain it became such a craze that you know you have to know what's in your paint you have to know what's in the coloring for the chemicals obviously as a manufacturer you need to be aware of it and what you're using to put it together british manufacturers knew what was in this color what was in this wallpaper paint they chose to ignore it. Now, we have to kind of give them the benefit of a doubt on this because 
arsenic was just a common knowledge piece with paint back then. People knew it was in paint, but how it translated with the wallpaper, it radiated off of the wallpaper instead of the paint hardens. The wallpaper just kind of stayed toxic. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of makes sense because you would think about like, I don't know, paint seems like it'd be almost encapsulated, but wallpaper because of its porous, like that kind of makes sense to me. Exactly. That and, you know, you're setting stuff up, you touch a wall in holding on to something or yeah, it, it ended up being a slow process though. A lot of people in this time were wanting to change up the color in their homes. And since the green was such a rage, a lot of people were trying to order this this wallpaper. And it wasn't an instantaneous reaction to it. But over time, people were just kind of getting a strange illness. It was respiratory. It, it was kind of like the flu But then it never went away and it just kept getting worse and worse until it finally led to their death. And it wasn't really figured out for a while until a doctor came in and it was a whole family that he was taking care of. And all of the correlations kept going back to the room that they were staying in. And the room that they were staying in had that shields green color. It was the only room in the house. That was the only factor that this doctor could really wrap it, his head around. He's like, this sounds kind of strange, but I think it's this. And then come to find out, yeah, it's the damn wallpaper. So quick question, because yeah. I don't know. I didn't peek. I didn't sneak a peek. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, and this is just me not knowing, like with that type of exposure, what are the symptoms? Like what so do you know? Like, yeah, um, it, it really usually affected people in the same way. It kind of started off as feeling tired, getting headaches, um, and then it kind of turned into a respiratory thing, almost like with a flu or um, like a respiratory infection. People just kept getting weaker and weaker. They would lose their appetite, and eventually they were sleeping a lot and just grew really weak, weren't able to keep food down, and then they they ended up dying. Nobody could figure it out. They couldn't really give them anything for it. Um, that would help. And they just kind of kick the bucket. It's just crazy. Yeah. I think about just environmental exposure now. I know. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out in a hundred years, you know, <laughs> like, right? Ugh, what were they thinking? Exactly. You're like, damn. Cause we think in this time we're like, wow, technology, we're just ahead of our time. We're very quick with developing things. And then we look back at it and we're like, oh. We really weren't. <laughs> no. We really weren't, you know, not not doing very well with that. But have you ever read the yellow wallpaper? No. Like in school or anything by Charlotte no. Perkins Stetson? Okay, so it might sound familiar to some of the listeners because this was one of those mandatory readings for a few people probably in the, the audience in academia. <laughs> but <laughs> I went to a tiny school. We didn't even have a track. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. That is That's tiny. a whole other that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, this is very timely with when Charlotte had this published. So, it, the the story came out in 1892. And the first time I ever read it, 
I didn't know about the whole arsenic thing in the wallpaper back in the day. And I just thought this woman was just batshit crazy. But <laughs> it it's this this thing where the story starts with this woman being locked in a room. And she keeps talking about how there's such an odd smell in the room. And the room was a very vibrant yellow color. Well, she's talking about how this character... And her transition through this arsenic poisoning through the walls, she was hallucinating. She was going mad. She was starting to feel ill. And upon the first reading, you're thinking, okay, something's going on. Or maybe it's an attempt at, you know, kind of like a weird, creepy horror story of somebody going mad. But then you you realize, oh, okay, it's from the arsenic in the wallpaper. That is just read it again. If you if you've read it, listeners, read it again. Knowing now what you know, it's it's way more creepy now. The woman kind of goes crazy, but uh, it's not because she is crazy. It's blame the arsenic. <laughs> I gotta start using that anytime I do I something weird. I was I'm thinking I'm arsenic. like I'm a horrible person. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that, but you said it for me. Yeah, it was the arsenic. <laughs> no judgments here. No judgments. <laughs> We wouldn't, I mean, we're obviously doing a podcast that goes into some dark stuff. So we have to like make a little bit of fun yeah. and a little bit of light, but we do take it seriously. And Yeah, so exactly. And like you said, there almost has to be a little bit of humor to it because otherwise, woof, this stuff it's is heavy. Yeah, definitely. But arsenic wasn't the only component when it came to wallpaper. Arsenic was found in so much stuff back then. and. <laughs> I mean, we're talking clothing, too. And magazines that would host and advertise different fashions for ladies, the paint in the magazines to give that vibrant color, it was kind of that same component. Arsenic was used to really get that vibrant color. So you had exposures with that. And then it was also used in the dyes when they were making the dresses. So whether... <laughs> Whether it was the wallpaper or the magazines or the dresses, I'm sure people weren't licking any of them. You know, it was just <laughs> radiating. Just toxic everywhere. Victorian era was toxic. Yeah, it does not sound... <clears throat> the more I look, like, think about that, the more terrible it sounds. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know how anybody survived the Victorian era, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Well, especially when only two out of ten kids made it to two years old. That's why they had so many kids. Yeah. They're like, Oof we're up. rolling the dice on this one. <laughs> yeah. Not a good time. Not a good time. Nope. But hey, at least they looked pretty damn great in those vivid colors. Yeah. The fashion <laughs> was something else. Yeah. But it, what's really crazy is it wasn't just like in the dyes. It was how people treated the clothing and the fabric. Especially in situations where you were ordering dresses and let's say your seamstress or the dressmakers lived in a low-income area, they didn't have a lot of places to store these fabrics, to store the dresses when they were done. And there's a lot of horrifying stories that I found from just how they took care of clothing and sold it or getting hand-me-downs. Just absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, there was a situation where, so at the time, 
in England, Prime Minister Sir Robert Peel ordered a riding habit for his daughter. And the seamstress that was putting it together as she was making it in her home, there wasn't a lot of places for her to store it. Well, her husband at the time was bedridden with typhus. And he had the chills so bad that she didn't have enough to cover him up with. She used the riding habit to cover her husband up. Oh my god. Typhus husband. Covering him up with the riding habit. Didn't say anything to Sir Robert. And when he purchased it and everything, he gave it to his daughter. And his daughter started getting sick and she contracted typhus from the riding habit. And she died on the eve of her wedding. So I don't know a lot about typhus, so it's obviously something that it's very easily contracted. It's yeah. like, is it airborne? I don't really know that much about typhus. <laughs> I don't either, but I think it, it's It must be highly be... contagious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it's on the fabric. Well, but who does that? Like, okay, we're people, we are coming out of pandemia here with freaking COVID. If you out there are making clothing and your husband <laughs> is COVID ridden in bed and he's got the shakes really bad because he's cold, are you going to be putting your printed t-shirts or hoodies on him to like <laughs> oh keep God. him, you know, like this is times were Times were desperate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dang. Yeah. It's just crazy. That's but crazy. It's not just stuff like that, but. Unfortunately, that was kind of common with how people treated their their clothing. Um, but we we can't not mention the grime on the streets picking up in women's skirts. That is a whole other nightmare. So you had lower income housing. You know, women got hand-me-down clothes. And if they weren't taken care of and washed properly before they were given and passed down, Women were contracting diseases. Men, too, because you were transferring vests and coats and all kinds of stuff. And people were getting sick from that if they weren't being taken care of properly prior to being passed down. When women walked streets, I mean, you had horse dung, you had grime, spit, diseases all around. And, okay, a good example of this, London streets were just crud nasty don't lick it that's that's like the theme today don't freaking lick shit okay <laughs> don't lick anything yeah five second rule is a fucking lie you don't eat that shit in the victorian right? era there is no five second rule five second rule aka your death <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a lot of that stuff would get kicked up in women's skirts their boots and okay great example of this a lot of times in movies, you don't really see how grimy skirts can get, but sometimes they do show how dirty they can get in mud and stuff up to like six inches. But it was so much worse in real life. We have to realize that. And it was getting absorbed into people's skins and people were getting really, really sick from this. And some people died depending on what was in muck on the ground. And it's just really weird to think about that. There's a lot of, uh, this sounds really bad, that there was a lot of going on under the, the main skirt, you know? There were a lot of layers <laughs> that women had to put on. <laughs> I, well, and I'm just like, you're already working with a situation that's probably not super hygienic because yeah. just hygiene in general was probably not great. 
I don't know what the bathing ratio would be, but even the water that they would have been using, that's a whole other thing, which we'll get into later down the road. Yep. <laughs> I have all a whole nasty. episode on that. <laughs> it's all nasty. And then when they finally did bathe, you know, their toiletry products, I mean, the percentage of arsenic that we're talking about here, you either go dirty or it's arsenic. That There's, there's literally no in between. But, of course, a lot of people are probably thinking you're not even touching on Mad Hatter situations. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that for a second. A lot of people know that people who made hats back in that time went mad because of the mer mercury poisoning. And before they kind of figured out that that was what was going on, they were, the hat makers were getting some nasty symptoms from that. And going mad was one of them. But we have to mention stomach cramps and convulsions and reproductive issues and shaking and paralysis even besides the madness. And that was just from the mercury in top hats. So how was the mercury in the top hats? Like, was it in the fibers? Yes. Like and I think it was used to kind of give it the sheen as well. Oh my God. Hats. Yeah. The so, silvery shine. Yeah. Oh my God. Shine. Um, they often referred to it as lead palsy. So back in the day when they started kind of realizing what was going on. And the worst part was even if people didn't go mad and they didn't end up getting those other really nasty symptoms, a really common side effect was actually to lose use of your hands and wrists. Which, I mean, your career's done then as a hat maker, you know. Yeah. Unless you're really you're good with your feet or something like <laughs> and that is bad because you know feet absorb a ton of crap aka Ugh. the muck in the streets that the ladies had to deal with with the skirts and boots and stuff but yeah and that's just touching the surface <laughs> so gross yeah so they were wearing deadly things and of course consuming deadly things and we're on to our ghastly grocery list so obviously bread, it's still kind of a common, you know, what are you going to the store for? Oh, milk and bread, blah, blah, blah. Well, bread was a very heavy staple in the households back then. And white bread was very popular. Well, it was very dangerous because uh, what we know to have like stuff that had arsenic and stuff, alum, uh, was used in bread. And it actually call, caused bowel problems, constipation, um, and malnutrition, uh, which led to a lot of children's deaths. So it's not just the murder bottles, um, just regular bread as well. Makes you wonder about things nowadays, too. A lot of people have issues with gluten, and it's like, oh my gosh. That's me. <laughs> That's me, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I can only eat bread that is, like, either gluten-free or I found um, sourdough, like a really good organic sourdough. Yeah. I'm fine. But back in the day, maybe I shouldn't say the name of the company. I won't just because. Yeah, But don't. back in the day, I would go to a sandwich shop. Heck, yeah. And uh, the bread there, like. And my mom and I both had the same thing, but it's probably somewhat genetic. It would like make me blow up. Like I feel like yeah. there's like knives in my stomach. So yeah, bread. Yeah. I that's... feel you. 
it makes you wonder <laughs> if like oh especially now with how food and chemicals are being used especially in like american food because i've mm-hmm. heard of a lot of people that are able to go to other countries oh and yeah 100%. Eat their bread and italy uh, yeah like for oh, me yeah. to eat pasta forget about it but if supposedly if you go to italy and have pasta just the way things are processed are so different yeah it's interesting to look back to the victorian time you know we we look back and we say oh they like it's crazy but who's to say that all the stuff that is happening now in our present time isn't equally as crazy and we're you know there's a good chance we're going to learn more about that down the road right exactly especially since i mean it existed you know, before the 80s, even people who have celiac and stuff like that. But it just seems like within the last three decades or so, the number of people that are having issues with certain types of foods has gone up so much. There's there's definitely something to that that we're not really looking into. And I think that we should be. It's probably damn arsenic. They're putting it back <laughs> in the damn bread. <laughs> But like I said, you know, when you go to the grocery store, ah, milk and bread. Milk was also pretty damn deadly <laughs> back then. Maybe even yeah. not for some of you. I'm sorry for I those probably, who are lactose intolerant. Yeah, I could probably <laughs> imagine why. I'm sure that like storage, <laughs> pasteurization probably wasn't a thing. Oh, you are dead on. No pun intended there, but you you really are <laughs> spot on on that. No, pun me, pun me. <laughs> pun me! The ways that they were starting to try to experiment with purifying the milk for consumption, they were taking, families in their own homes were taking it upon themselves to purify. And they were using boric acid. Oh my God. Yeah. And this was thought to make the milk last longer. And can you imagine? Well, to their their side of it, I can understand. Because the acid did get rid of the smell and the taste of things that were coming just straight from the cow and the pasteurization not being really a thing yet. It kind of made the milk taste and smell a little bit better. Um, But it caused some massive diarrhea and vomiting. And it, it was very common to keep that bovine TB in there. So, yeah, people were... Just set up for failure from the (laughs) get-go. So really, it just goes to show that, like, and I've read this too, like, people that were drunk most of the time were probably just fine because they just consumed alcohol and nothing else. And it was safer than drinking water. Yep. (laughs) So it really was. the pubs were just fine. Yeah. They might have been the smart ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they might have been the smart ones. I ain't drinking that water. I'm not having milk. (laughs) But what's really another sad portion of this, with the milk alone, I was reading a statistic on this one, and they think that over the the time of this being a fad with the pasteurization in their own homes, there was an estimated of over 500,000 children that passed away because of this. That's known anyway. That is insane. Yeah. The odds are just stacked against kids, unfortunately, with a lot of this stuff. And women, because, you know, we're talking about dresses and the contamination from all of that. But we're going back to the arsenic. A lot of beauty products contained that. And especially to get that 
it was very very fashionable to have a pale valor to your face and then adding blush and that stuff had so much chemicals in it and it ended up really killing quite a few ladies you can't win you can't win <laughs> as a woman i feel like you can't win no no not at all and not to mention you know just between what you're wearing what you're consuming what's in your freaking house and for it to cause like digestional issues and stuff like that the <laughs> you weren't even safe in the damn bathroom you know people who are having issues where are you gonna go the bathroom and this was the time when you know having an indoor toilet was becoming more common but they hadn't really figured out how the piping should lay yet and a lot of times because of how the pipes were set up in homes and in the streets methane gases from the human waste was coming back up through the toilet and if you're lighting a fucking cigarette or a kaboom, stove or, a, or stove, a lantern yeah oh my god exploding so toilets the toilets exploded or the houses or or both both oh my god <laughs> between the methane gases if you had a toilet inside or oh my god. if you got electricity finally there were a lot of dangerous things with electricity not being hooked up correctly either. I have to throw this at you because it just came away. <laughs> so back to, back to the toilets. So that's where dropping bombs in the toilet came from? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Can you imagine? You're like, man, that milk and bread really got to me today. And I am gonna have to have some solitary time with the porcelain gods and then you're in there and freaking kaboom yeah if people didn't die from it they were getting massive burns and can you imagine oh my god yeah i'm a horrible person i shouldn't <laughs> laugh at that but but still literal pains in the asses if it wasn't anything else i mean oh and then you, thank you've god. got thank god for modern plumbing it, yeah exactly but a lot of British manufacturers at the time you know London was growing and it was thriving with the industrial era and everything coming through and British manufacturers like well that might cause an explosion here there if we put in that electrical unit but then the Thompsons wanted that shield green wallpaper <laughs> I'll just do it it's fine and don't even worry about it it's gonna be all right yeah they just wanted that money that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. It's not so different from now. No. Oh, not at all. Some things just don't change. <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, because this was an era of brand new things coming in, a lot of people were wanting the newest and the best products for not only their homes, but for how they were dressing, what they were doing. And not only was indoor plumbing becoming more popular and more common, but fridging units also were starting to make an appearance and they were first invented in Germany. And what really wasn't known at the time was that even though they were becoming really popular, again, toxic chemicals were used in refrigerators to keep things cold, to keep everything 
at a certain temperature and it radiated out of the fridge. And a lot of people actually ended up getting respiratory issues from those chemicals that were radiating out of fridges. I'm just, you can't see me shaking my head. The listeners can't see me, but I'm shaking (laughs) my head a lot. Same. (laughs) I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah. And one that we're more familiar with today, which is still a problem that people are trying to get rid of now, but still haven't quite been able to, is asbestos. It was actually known as the miracle material back in the day. But I, I don't even have to go into how that's fucking dangerous. So <laughs> what were they using it for that was different than the way we use it now? Kind of they well, they were definitely using it in how we do today with insulation, uh, things in certain materials being used. <laughs> I just had this image of like, oh, we got the new wallpaper. Let's put that asbestos <laughs> back under the wall and slap <laughs> that wallpaper on it. Death sandwich right there probably highly flammable too if i had to guess oh yeah from the exploding toilet oh yeah all of the gases and the electricity that was brand new i mean ticking time bombs houses were ticking time bombs you weren't safe in the streets because of the horse shit and all that literally and you weren't safe in your own (laughs) damn home i was getting ready to say it'd probably be safer staying in the street like if you It probably would have been safer drinking your alcohol and right. You know, you're probably safer at the pub. S- super sad. Yeah. I would <laughs> probably be the, I'd probably be the one hanging out at the pub wearing right. men's clothing. Absolutely fine with that because you probably <laughs> wouldn't have as much arsenic dye in them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about wearing black. So heck yeah. Me too. <laughs> And I mean, you know, you'd have a little bit of that uh, gunk absorption in your boots still, but it wouldn't be catching in your skirts and like gathering up in places that we'd rather not talk about. (laughs) No. Ooh. Ooh. So for all those people out there that originally said, oh, I would love to live in the Victorian era, if I could live in any era at all, how do you feel about that decision right now? You might want to rethink that. I don't feel good about it. And knowing what's coming up next, it's just going to get worse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As we, the next few episodes are still in this era. So there's plenty to talk about. Oh, yeah. We just kind of poked it with a stick in this episode. But (laughs) I mean, I feel like the Victorian era was just, life was like running through a gauntlet. And it was just a miracle to see how many years you made it. A different version of the Hunger Games. <laughs> that sounds like a movie that needs to be made, actually. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. And I must ask, what are we talking about in the next episode? Mm, okay. Oh. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but basically the thing that we did mention in the beginning when we opened this, because... You know, we're just getting started and I'm terrible at remembering things until the end. (laughs) Um, But basically the premise, if you made it this far in the episode, is the premise of this show is we're going to be going through the alphabet. So we're going to stick with biweekly episodes right now. Um, If all goes well and this thing catches on, then we might add in some bonus episodes and who knows the sky is the limit, but every episode that we do is going to be tied to a particular theme and it'll be alphabetical. 
So I don't want to give it away yet, but mm. we've got some discussion on psychiatric hospitals. We have discussion on cadavers and body snatchers and embalming. And you've got some stuff coming up too that is more oh, yeah. in line with what well, kind of connects back to that. But yeah, what have you got coming up? I might have some topic discussions about a very famous man with fangs coming up Ooh. very soon. And somewhere in the near future, there's going to be discussions about all of the drama that ended up coming about with a king and his many wives. Lots to talk about. A lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot. There is just too much content, my friends. <laughs> so... Before we wrap up, what was I going to say? You'll notice this about me. I lose my train of thought easily. I do too. <laughs> Don't even <laughs> Crap. worry. Crap. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Just no. disregard. Disregard. Oh, where to find us. So by the time this episode is out, um, you'll be able to find us. Uh, we'll ha we have our own website. Yes. It is macabre pod. So just go to macabrepod.com. And we might get the Facebook group launched pretty soon. Um, we do have an Instagram. We're going to be building that at some point. We might yeah. even do a Patreon with some fun bonus episodes. And I have like some special things that are exclusive to the Patreon members. Heck yeah. One of the fun things that I would love, and I know Blair would probably love this too, is on our website, we have the option for you to leave us a message it's a recorded yeah. message and one of the things we would love to talk about in the future is hometown macabre because yeah. everyone has a weird creepy macabre story that took place in their own hometown and i know that i have a few and i would just love to hear from listeners anything that they know of that happened in their hometown or topics that they want us to cover that fall under macabre, because let's be honest, macabre encompasses a lot of things. So it can be dark history. It could be supernatural. It could be true crime, which I know we're going to get into at some point, but we would love to hear from listeners, hear your stories and I think as far as being a newer podcast, the best thing that you can do to help us out today is to leave us a positive rating on whatever podcast platform that you listen to. Actually leave us a little comment just so we can hear your feedback. And if there's something that we can do to improve, please send us a message so that we can make this podcast you know, we want to make it, it's really about you and what you want to hear. And we want to be able to satisfy your earworms. So Heck as yeah. much as you can help out in that, we would absolutely love it. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a tangent. <laughs> no, well done. I totally agree. We want to treat you oh. guys right. So. so I had a fun fact that I wanted to add because I knew your basic topic. Yeah. Um, let me just pull this up now. And you probably already know this. Um, okay, I got to find it. Do, 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 do. I'm not going to find it. So I'm going to try, try to go by memory. So you were talking about deadly household products and chemicals. Did yeah. you know that 
during the 19th century, how many photographers died from the chemicals that they used in like the creation of their film. And like one of them was um, mercury. Oh, and I then totally there were, understand. yeah. So like high quantities of mercury, there was something to do with the copper plates that they used as well. And then some other chemicals, like they said, literally every week you would see something about a photographer that died holy shit just from doing their job so as far as occupations go i would have never guessed that being a photographer would be a dangerous occupation but it was <laughs> very very dangerous hold up was there arsenic in any of this probably yeah i found like a research <laughs> article i'll have to comb through it i was just looking at it this morning i was like holy shit because that's just not something i would have ever thought about no. yeah damn problem, big problem fucking arsenic so there you go i mean a is for arsenic in this episode a so. is for arsenic <laughs> woof well i just have to say thank you for everyone that decided to join us on our first episode i promise yes, we'll, we'll get we'll get better as we go along we're still <laughs> we're still learning and trying to get over our awkwardness <laughs> yes it might be awkward yeah. for a while because i'm here <laughs> oh, no. Well, and that's another thing we didn't talk about is um, Blair and I have never actually met in person. No. We, <laughs> we are internet besties who bonded over weird macabre things. We were actually introduced by a mutual friend who is also a podcaster. Yes. And we just started talking about, I don't know, all kinds of weird spooky stuff. And we're like, hey we should maybe do a podcast so here we are heck yeah it is Never destiny met, but we're gonna fix that at some point yes so. definitely right. are <laughs> okay well we will see you next time yes and until then <laughs> stay safe in your own homes yeah exactly <laughs> and don't be uh messing around with any sort of arsenic don't lick All the right? wallpaper cherish the bread and milk you have even though there might still be some shit in it <laughs> but not literal shit so. we, we can hope yeah <laughs> we'll see you next time see you later Thank you.